Jasmine Nikisha Robinson often went by the nickname Beezy, a name she acquired in middle school from her basketball team. Jasmine was the girl that was goofy and made everyone laugh. In 2019, Jasmine was 23 years old and pregnant. She was no longer with her baby's father, but was seemingly happy and excited to become a mother. That year, she found herself in some legal trouble as well, but her family had said she owned up to her mistakes and was working to make it right. On February 18th, Jasmine's grandmother, whom she was living with, picked her up from work to take her home. She said Jasmine was in a bad mood and seemed upset about something. Jasmine talked to her aunt around 8 o'clock p.m. and told her she was going to bed soon. The next day, her aunt showed up to take her to a scheduled doctor's appointment as they had planned, but Jasmine wasn't home. Jasmine was never seen or heard from again. Where is Jasmine Beezy Robinson? Welcome back to the Where Are They podcast. Before we dive into the story of Jasmine Robinson, I have a couple of updates. 
I didn't personally cover the Andrew Gosden case, but if you were aware of Andrew's disappearance, which happened in the UK in 2007, you know how bizarre it was. He was seen on many CCTV cameras and was just 14 years old when he vanished. There were virtually no clues until this month when two men were arrested in connection with his disappearance and other child trafficking charges. Hopefully we will know more soon. It's been 14 years since there have been any real developments in this case, so this is pretty big news. I'm also working on an update for the Harmony Montgomery case, the little five-year-old girl who was last seen in 2019 from New Hampshire. That update should be up Thursday or Friday, so keep your eyes open for that. We have some new merch designs and selections. I will link our merch store in the notes and on social if you'd like to check them out. You can use the code January for 10% off through the end of this month. And my new favorites, just to let you know, our cropped hoodie and our bucket hat. This episode is sponsored by Hydronique Hydration, an awesome new company offering hydration packets full of antioxidants, plant-based and zero sugar or caffeine. We'll hear more on them in a bit. So let's jump into the story of Jasmine Beasy Robinson. And a quick shout out to the Instagram account at Black and Missing. It was there that I first learned of her case when they shared Jasmine's info last year. Jasmine was born February 6, 1996 and grew up in Archer, Florida. Archer is a suburb of Gainesville, Florida, and Jasmine would spend the majority of her life in that area. In middle school, Jasmine adapted the nickname Beezy from her basketball team and was called by that nickname into adulthood. Jasmine was the goofy kid, the one that always made people laugh. She generally got along with everyone and was very likable. She not only enjoyed sports and activities with friends, she also sang in the choir at St. Joseph Baptist Church in Archer. In 2018, Jasmine found herself pregnant. Her baby's father was legally married to someone else at the time and was never publicly identified. Jasmine and he would not stay together, however, and Jasmine would continue to live with her grandmother in Archer during her pregnancy. On September 13th, 2018, Jasmine got herself in a little bit of trouble. During a game at the University of Florida Stadium, Jasmine stole someone's cell phone. While she had the phone, she attempted to transfer money to herself via Venmo. She attempted several times for a total of $1,600, but I'm not sure what would actually go through. It was said she kept trying different amounts, trying to get something to go through as a lot of them were being rejected. This University of Florida student had noticed her phone missing and immediately put a stop on all activity. Again, I'm not sure what monies were actually able to be transferred, but in the court documents that would later come about, there is mention of Jasmine paying the money back. So it seems like something must have went through, but it's really unclear how much. The police would end up tracking the phone's whereabouts through the Find My Phone app, and that would lead them directly to the home where Jasmine lived. 
At first, when they questioned Jasmine, she denied having the phone. And when they showed her that they had proof it was there, she said she had no idea how it got there. She was arrested and released on bond. On November 8th, she officially entered a plea of not guilty. She was charged with larceny, grand theft of less than $5,000, and credit card fraud. Her next hearing was scheduled for February 28th, 2019, in which a motion had been filed for Jasmine to change her plea on that day. Her family said she had owned up to what she had done and just wanted to make it right and pay back any money that she had taken. And the court documents do confirm this. I was able to view them all and read through them online. And the intention of that hearing date was definitely for Jasmine to change her plea to guilty. On February 18th, 2019, Jasmine is about seven months along in her pregnancy and just about 10 days away from her court hearing. On that day, her grandmother picked her up from work and recalls Jasmine being really worried about something, very irritated and upset and just seemed a little worked up. But her grandmother did not know what it was about, as Jasmine never elaborated further on what was bothering her. Some people have said that her baby's father was harassing her and bothering her, but I'm not sure about what specifically. Did he want to be a part of her life? Did he want to be a part of the baby's life? Or did he want nothing to do with having a baby with Jasmine at all? There are rumors of all sorts flying around out there, but remember, rumors are just that, rumors. When Jasmine got home that evening, on the 18th, she spoke to her aunt for a bit and then around 8 o'clock p.m. said she was going to bed. The next morning, her aunt arrived to pick her up, as planned, for Jasmine's scheduled doctor's visit. At this point, she is in her last trimester and has just a couple months left to go of her pregnancy. But when her aunt arrived, Jasmine was not there. No one was quite sure where she was, and no one could reach her. It seems her family officially reported her missing the next day, February 20th, and the police have stated that they wish they had known earlier and not had the one-day delay. So just a reminder, you do not need to wait to report someone missing. All of those... Stories of waiting 24, 48, or 72 hours to officially alert police that someone is missing are just outdated and inaccurate. Police searched the home and said there were no signs of a struggle. They also released information stating that they believe Jasmine had left the house the night of February 18th, but that she was most likely not alone. They also noted that none of her personal belongings were missing. And of course, with an upcoming court date, there was a lot of speculation that she had taken off. But family and friends close to Jasmine said that didn't make any sense. She was planning on making things right and was going to change her plea. The documents had already been filed with the court and that process was already in motion. She wanted to get it done and over with. And since none of her personal belongings were taken, police were leery of that theory as well. So police began searching the area and speaking with people and asking the public for help with information. Lots of tips would come in, but still no Jasmine. 
Jasmine's court case on February 28th came and went, and with Jasmine being a no-show, her bond was revoked for her charge. Specifically, she was now charged with failure to appear. So was she specifically avoiding court? Or had something else happened to Jasmine? Archer is a small community located just outside of Gainesville, and while Gainesville is a large city, Archer, Florida has just over 1,000 residents. It's a small, small town and a town where everyone knows everyone. When news of Jasmine's disappearance started to get out, the town became divided. Some looking for news of their friend and desperate for answers, and some were interested in defending those that the fingers were being pointed at. Posters were made and distributed through town, getting hung up everywhere and anywhere they could. But as soon as those posters went up, people were also out on the town taking them down. And I can't even imagine how frustrating that was for the family. The family also searches areas of Archer, Gainesville, and Bronson. Archer is definitely a small town, and when you look at a map, you can't even see a Google Street view of her street in particular, which was Southwest 175th Street. But the area looks like a pretty typical neighborhood of homes. There are a couple of small bodies of water and a couple nature preserves within a 30-minute drive, but nothing that really stands out. Jasmine's family also searched the area of Bronson, Florida, which is south of Archer. In fact, you can drive straight from Gainesville into Archer and then into Bronson. I don't know if it was because of proximity or if there is a connection to Bronson, but Bronson is an area that was focused on for a while. At some point during the search, the police did tell the family they had recovered some significant technical and forensic evidence, but couldn't elaborate further without jeopardizing the case. Police also announced their first ever partnership with Florida Sheriff's Association Criminal Apprehension Program and Crime Stoppers, and together they offered an $8,000 reward, which would soon be increased to $10,000. The police also put up electronic signs all throughout the area asking for tips or information on Jasmine Robinson. These are the type of signs you usually see on the sides of roads alerting drivers of road conditions or construction or sometimes even amber alerts. The police stated that they know people are out there that know more than they are saying. Jasmine's family keeps trying to keep her case out there as well. They have done media interviews with local media and they try and get the help and the attention of the public. This is another one of those cases where the police have indicated they are waiting for that one tip from someone, someone that can break this case wide open. Jasmine's aunt Bertha also came out and said how worried she was about Jasmine. She was pregnant after all. This was her first child. And Bertha just knew she'd be frightened and needed the love and support of her family to get through this time. While Bertha was Jasmine's aunt, they were raised more like sisters, and Bertha considers Jasmine more of a sister. Bertha's mom had taken in Jasmine as a child, and therefore the two of them were close. And she just can't understand why people aren't being more forthcoming with information. 
Before we jump into the questions and the theories of this case, I want to thank this week's show sponsor, Hydronique Hydration. And I absolutely love the concept behind this. And I have to say, I myself struggle with drinking enough water and getting the electrolytes needed throughout the day. I'm definitely a self-proclaimed coffee addict. In the midst of the pandemic, the founder of Hydronique Hydration, a frontline healthcare worker, started developing constant headaches. And a huge shout out to our frontline healthcare workers who continued to push through during that time. A research study published early during the pandemic showed that up to 81% of frontline healthcare workers developed new headaches, mainly because of their PPE, their personal protective equipment like face masks and face shields that they had to wear, which prevented them from eating and drinking properly while on the job. The founder looked for a healthy drink with all the necessary vitamins and minerals that would help them get through the day, something to help boost his hydration and energy and stop those headaches. But most powder drinks on the market have a ton of sugar and caffeine. That's why he created Hydronique Hydration, sugar-free, keto-friendly, plant-based, antioxidant-rich, electrolyte powder packets for daily use containing all the essential vitamins and minerals with a refreshing taste. Their product also contains elderberry, which has immune-boosting properties for support during cold and flu season. Hydronique Hydration Electrolyte Powder Packets can also fit in your bag or suitcase when traveling. Remember traveling? Oh, those were the days. So if you are having trouble with eating and drinking healthy during your busy day in 2022, but want a sugar-free, keto-friendly vitamin drink, give Hydronique Hydration a try. There are 30 electrolyte powder packets in a pouch, which is perfect for a one-month supply. You can visit the website, www.hydroniquehydration.com. It's the word hydration and unique mashed together, www.hydroniquehydration.com. Or search for Hydronique Hydration on Amazon.com, where they are offering a $10 discount coupon at checkout for the next week. Link will be in our show notes, and we will share on social media for you as well. That's www.hydroniquehydration.com. Thank you to Hydronique Hydration for sponsoring this episode. So what are the questions in this case? It's interesting. I seem to have so many, yet we seem to have so little information that it's almost as if I don't know what questions to ask. Number one, can we confirm Jasmine left the house that night, the night of February 18th, 2019? For example, I know she lived at her grandmother's. Did she see her walk out of the house? Police have stated that she likely didn't leave alone, but they haven't said much more than that to indicate that we know who she was with. They seem confident that she did indeed leave the house on her own, but we don't know anything beyond that. Question number two. What do we know about why Jasmine was upset leaving work that day? Did something happen with a coworker? Nothing more has been said on that, so I hope that was all looked into thoroughly, and I'm sure that it has. Was this a case of the rumors being true and her baby's father was harassing her? 
What had Jasmine so upset on that day, February 18th, 2019? And did it have anything at all to do with her disappearance or it possibly was even completely unrelated? It does seem the police know more than they are saying in an effort to protect their investigation. And I hope that's the case and totally respect that they need to do the job they need to do. But I wonder at this point if it's worth releasing a little bit more info to get some more leads from the public. What will it take to get someone to come forward with the right information? We are now approaching the three-year mark of Jasmine's disappearance next month. So let's talk about some theories in this case. Theory number one. Jasmine left to escape her life and start fresh somewhere else. Like many missing persons cases, this is usually the best case scenario. This means they are alive and doing what they wanted to do. And some could say that Jasmine had reasons to disappear. She had the impending court date. Maybe she had wanted to change her plea, but was scared. This would mean she'd have to pay back some money and maybe she became more and more worried. About that, as the court date approached, she was pregnant and would soon have to care for an infant. It seemed her pregnancy might not have been welcomed by the baby's father. Could Jasmine have just wanted to get away from him, go somewhere fresh where she wouldn't have to see him or deal with him? Archer is such a small town, I can't imagine how often you might run into people you know. Or, and this is pure theory and speculation, Maybe there was something that frightened her into leaving, maybe with this man or maybe with something or someone else. Perhaps Jasmine just wanted to give her baby and herself a new life somewhere new. But there's problems with this theory, too. How would she financially support herself? Her social security number hasn't been used anywhere for a job or even to collect benefits of any kind. She didn't have a car, so how would she have gone? Did someone help her? And Jasmine was known to be very close to her family. No one in her family believes that Jasmine would ever just walk away. She was born and raised in the Archer area. It was her home. It was all she knew. And she had a lot of relatives that she was close with. I absolutely see everyone's point that they don't believe Jasmine was the type to leave, especially in this way. But I don't want to rule this out completely either. She did have some struggles. And of course, this theory gives us the most hope. Theory number two, Jasmine met with foul play at the hands of someone she knew. This is where I'd really like to know who she left the house with that night. After all, that person would be the last known person to see Jasmine. But the fact that that person hasn't come forward yet does say a lot. And Jasmine was pregnant, so that does cause a lot of people to look towards the baby's father. And that happens in all cases. People closest to the victim, the missing person, those are the ones that are looked at the hardest. A partner, a spouse, a loved one. Of course, this is all speculation to be looking at him. Police haven't officially said anything about him. But until he comes forward and clears his name, 
or police state that he is cleared, he can't really be ruled out. It was also said that he had a wife, where they both questioned and have their alibis checked. Police have said they do have a few different persons of interest, but nothing has alluded to any other problems with anyone else. Although it's possible that they do have other persons of interest and they just haven't told the public anything yet. Theory number three, did Jasmine meet with foul play, maybe at the hands of a stranger? But where and how? Would she leave the house and go with a stranger somewhere? Or did she leave the house with someone she knew and they parted ways somewhere else? And in an attempt to get home, Jasmine ran into trouble somewhere with someone. This theory seems the least likely, especially in the small town of Archer, and knowing she had to leave the house with somebody. So what do you think happened to Jasmine Beasy Robinson? Jasmine is described as being five foot five inches tall and weighing about 160 to 180 pounds at the time she was last seen. She was 23 years old, would be 25 years old today, and was also six to seven months pregnant at the time she vanished. Jasmine would now have a toddler. She wore her hair in braids. It was about shoulder length and dark brown. Jasmine also had brown eyes and wore glasses. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Jasmine B.Z. Robinson, please contact the Alachua County Sheriff's Office at 352-367-4083. Thank you so much for listening to Jasmine's story. Another missing person that has been missing way too long and received too little media coverage. Please share Jasmine's story and let's help keep her name out there. Hopefully with some pressure, those who know something about her whereabouts will finally come forward. Her family has waited so long for answers. Please remember to follow us over on Instagram and Facebook for regular updates. And you can always email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. If you're interested in supporting our charity partners, please visit our merch store. You can use the code January until the end of the month for 10% off your order. We will have a bonus episode up on Patreon as well this Friday. We hope that you'll consider joining us over there. And of course, a huge thank you to this week's show sponsor, Hydronique Hydration. I'll post a link to their electrolyte drink packets on our social media and in the show notes. And remember, they are offering a $10 off coupon via their Amazon store as well. Thank you all for supporting our show and helping us spread the word of these unsolved missing person cases. We will be back again next week with a regularly scheduled show. And until then... Stay safe and hug your loved ones.